Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, May 14th. I'm Desiree Frazier in Fort Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi's first 12 to 15-year-olds get the Pfizer shot after authorization from the CDC and FDA. Then 60 years after the Freedom Rides, participants reflect on the meaning of their fight for civil rights. Plus, members of Jackson State's 1970 graduating class get a ceremony 51 years after the deadly shootings of Philip Gibbs and James Green. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Young teens in Mississippi are getting their first dose of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine that was recently approved for use for 12 to 15-year-olds. The new authorization means more than 160,000 adolescents in the state can get vaccinated. At the University of Mississippi Medical Center, 14-year-old Clinton resident Rosemary Williamson is getting her first dose of the coronavirus vaccine with her mother, Amy, by her side. She tells our Kobe Vance why she decided to get her first dose on the first day. I'm a swimmer, so it's a no-mask sport, obviously. Um, And we've always been safe. Like, the coaches always wear masks, and it's obviously we don't. But it's always been a very safe environment where I'm going in and out. And we practice at the Baptist Healthplex, and they're very, you know, adamant on wearing your mask and making sure you're safe and stuff. And so, you know, as a student, what has the what's life been like for you in the past year? Very crazy. I didn't expect COVID, obviously, and I was in eighth grade when COVID started. It was March of last year, I guess, right? And I just remember all my classes just were like suddenly online. And then this year, we were online for like a month, and then we started doing hybrid schedules. And then now we're all back to school. If you want to, like, I'm going back to school right now, and there's some kids that are virtual. Some kids that are in person, it's really just personal choice, you know. And I know you mentioned you're not necessarily talking about your specific choice with other people, but uh, what are other people your age talking about when it comes to the vaccine? Does it seem like there's interest out there? Or are people kind of on the fence? I, 
I really wanted to get it just because I am going to another country this summer, and I think that's important for me. And I would love for people my age to get it, but I think a lot of them are a little bit uncertain about it just because, you know, we're not 16 or up, and that's what was released first, and it's been, like, great, and it's worked really well, and I just don't know if people are 100% sure about this yet. You know, um, looking into the next, uh, maybe beyond the summer and back into the fall, uh, school might look a bit different than it was this year, might look a bit more normal. What, what, what are you hoping for? I'm definitely hoping normal. I am in band, and marching band, concert band, and we weren't able to do really anything this year. We did do a show for marching band, which was nice, but it was like two minutes, and we usually do a 10-, 12-minute show, and I've never been a part of that, and it would be really great to do that. And we usually do competitions for concert band, and it was, I just felt like I was missing out this year a lot because we didn't do any competition. We did a performance, and it was great, but it wasn't, I feel like, at the level a competition would have been at. And I guess last thing, you know, um, if, you, if you had to give it, you know, tell your experience to somebody else, what would you say? Are, are you feeling excited? Are you feeling, you know, uh, concerned, worried? What, what, what are your emotions right now? And uh, what would be your, I guess, if you had a message to some other people? I'm very grateful that they have the shots for 12 to 15-year-olds now. And I'm just glad that we have a vaccine period for people so that it can feel a little bit more normal. And I think you said something the other day about there are some places that are talking about not wearing masks as much or something. You said that. And I think that's great because it's helping us go back to normal. And the vaccine is just really helping us with that. And I would encourage people to get it. I mean, it's your choice, of course, but I would definitely encourage people to get it if it's available for them and you so you got your first shot you can kind of come back in in a, in a few weeks and get your second yeah i am glad for that because then i'll be fully vaccinated and good to go for the summer so i'm curious have, have you yourself been vaccinated yet yes i was actually able to get an appointment the first day they opened it up to the new um to everybody Obviously, y'all are here. You said you got yours the first day it opened up to your uh, your demographic. Uh, y'all are here the first day it's open to teens. Uh, y'all seem uh, very excited. Uh, what what what's been pushing you to get uh, to jump on it just when it comes available? I well because of the past year, because of everything that we've seen, because of all the closures, because of all the illnesses, because of all the deaths. I'm extremely grateful that it's here it's here as quickly as it's come and it's available for us to get and you know your your daughter's gotten the vaccine today uh as a mother what does that feel like to you relief that she can go and do the things that we've i mean we've been careful but you know now there's going to be another layer of protection not just the mask and the social distancing but she's going to have the vaccine and that's a real sense of relief to me. Have you been looking forward to this moment for a while? I guess this would be a question for both of y'all. We have. We've been watching the news and, you know, um, paying attention to where they were in the testing and when they might go through the different um, approval, steps of the approval. And um, we've been keeping an eye out. And we were really excited when mm -hmm. we found out that um, <laughs> the appointments were going to come online soon. As far as like uh, family, um, do you feel more comfortable meeting with family again, loved ones and uh, possibly friends, family members that, you know, this year's 
possibly divided? Absolutely. My mom is a nurse. My grandmother is a nurse. And so they have been very vigilant about all of the um, precautions. And so it's really good to just be able to get back together again. Yeah, I didn't see my grandma until she got her vaccine. and then So I didn't see her for like a year. And then she got her vaccine. And then we had like a gathering of sorts. And like a week after she got vaccinated. And it was just good to see her. And mm-hmm. I had fun. It was good. And so, you know, again, going back to as a mother, you know, um, your daughter seems eager to have gotten the vaccine as well. Um, what, what does that mean to you? I'm really glad that she embraced it. She, um, you know, we, we talked about it and all the things that you hear. And she really worked it through in her own head to get to the point where she was ready to come. And, you know, like she said, you know, now she can go and do these things that we were planning to do with you know, you still have to be careful and aware, but more protection. A list of Pfizer coronavirus vaccine providers can be found on the Department of Health's website. Coming up, 60 years after the Freedom Rides, participants reflect on the meaning of their fight for civil rights. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. This month marks the 60th anniversary of the Freedom Rides, when young civil rights activists rode buses into the South, challenging segregation in buses and public facilities. As they made the journey from the nation's capital to the Deep South, they were taunted and beaten by white mobs and jailed. A few of the buses were even bombed. Janae Pierre from our partner station, WBHM, talked to participants of the movement about what their fight means today. The group of 13 civil rights activists boarded buses in Washington, D.C. to begin the Freedom Rides on May 4, 1961. Exactly 60 years later, Beverly Bassett marked the day by singing her favorite freedom song outside Montgomery's Greyhound bus station. The event at what is now known as the Freedom Rides Museum is one of many across the South commemorating the bravery of hundreds of riders that summer. During the Freedom Rides, Bassett led demonstrations at bus stations throughout her home state of Mississippi. She says her role during the movement was to rally support among folks in her community, a mission she still takes on to encourage the next generation. You've got to understand what your past was before you know what your future is. You've got to know your past. Back in 1961, when the Freedom Riders began their journey, they were testing an earlier Supreme Court ruling that made segregation illegal on interstate buses and at bus stations. The interracial group had a full itinerary that summer. They rode through Virginia, the Carolinas, and Georgia, with New Orleans as a planned final destination. 
they were met with some opposition, and as they got further south, the group's strategy of civil disobedience would be tested. They arrived in Alabama on May 14th, Mother's Day. We got beaten twice that day. Charles Person was the youngest of the Freedom Riders. He remembers vividly when they were met by an angry white mob at a Greyhound bus station. We got beaten on the bus in Anderson. Then they rode with us to Birmingham. They taunted us all the way, called us every name you can think of, and they did that for two hours. Person, who was 18 at the time, was chosen and trained by Corps, the Congress of Racial Equality, which practiced nonviolent protest strategies. As Person was beaten that day, he says he felt no pain. We didn't even block punches. You know, we took the best shot, and also,、uh, if you hit the ground. They instructed us to take a fetal position so you could protect your vital organs. Corps sent another group of riders to continue the desegregation campaign because Person and others were beaten so badly. They were also beaten in Montgomery and again in Jackson, Mississippi. But as word got out about the attacks in Alabama, more and more people began to volunteer for the rides. Chris Butcher is superintendent of the Freedom Riders National Monument in Anniston. Ultimately, all throughout 1961, there were over 50 Freedom Rides and more than 450 Freedom Riders. More groups formed in Nashville and New Orleans, and those volunteers created a turning point for the rides that summer. The more riders were attacked, the more people joined the cause. The legacy of that is that terror and intimidation and, and threats. Only inspire those people to stand up against injustice and to stand for what's right. The Freedom Rides were originally supposed to last for about two weeks, but they went on for seven months. Butcher says the sacrifices of people like Charles Person and the late Congressman John Lewis were more than admirable. So many of them are not in the history books and aren't named. They literally put their lives on the line, but thank God that they did. The riders inspired people like Mississippi native Beverly Bassett, who is now in her mid-seventies, to get involved in the civil rights movement. Bassett says she sees today's Black Lives Matter movement as a continuation of the same struggle. It ain't about just getting on the bus; it's what you are pledging to do once you make it on the bus. The Freedom Rides changed interstate travel for Black Americans and fortified the civil rights movement. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Janae Pierre. The Gulf States Newsroom is a regional collaboration between public media stations in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Coming up, members of Jackson State's 1970 graduating class get a ceremony. It comes 51 years after the deadly shootings of Philip Gibbs and James Green. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. <music> Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. James Lapp Baker was supposed to receive his degree from Jackson State College in 1970. But on May 15th of that year, a police-involved shooting brought the spring semester to an abrupt end and postponed graduation. Two African-American men were killed, and at least a dozen other people were injured. Tomorrow, Baker and over 70 of his classmates will march in their caps and gowns for the first time in a special ceremony at the Greens Gibbs Plaza on the campus of JSU. The site is named after the two young men killed by gunfire from the Mississippi Highway Patrol. Philip Gibbs was a 21-year-old junior pre-law major and married father of an 18-month-old son and a second unborn child. And James Earl Green was 17, a senior at Jim Hill High School, who was killed while observing the the chaos. Baker, an eyewitness, remembers crawling through the grass to get to safety that night. He tells our Ashley Norwood the incident changed him forever. I've said many times before, and I'll say it again. I can forgive, but I'll never forget that night. Never. That that changed a whole lot uh, with respect to me as an individual, um, mentally, spiritually, um, educationally. But it gave me strength. It gave me strength to succeed greater and pursue. And that I did, you know, because of what happened. Sometimes there are things that can happen to you or in your life that sparks you. And sometimes there are things that can happen that um, they encourage you to, to go forward never to stop because you're reminded of what happened. And that has always reminded me that night, excuse me, that night uh, has never left me, never will leave me, never will. Uh, Although we didn't march, um, we marched afterwards in a different way. I know I did because I marched on to graduate school at San Jose State University and became the first black or African-American to receive a master's in urban and regional planning from in the history of that university. So there are a lot of things that, that gives you strength that you can take with you from events like that. I know last year the university, they were planning to host a special commencement during the 50-year anniversary, uh, but COVID reasons. Um, So talk to me about what it feels like now to have this moment uh, for yourself and with your classmates, um, like you say, who have gone on to do great things. Well, uh, (laughs) first of all, I think the most important thing to me is not about me, I'm I'm just thrilled that I will be able to see um, some of the classmates who I hadn't seen, you know, in nearly 50 years. It it will bring back memories 
to me because we used to have a lot of fun for four years. That's how close we were. And plus, it would be uh, marching across to receive uh, the diploma and all will be something that I hadn't done uh, at the collegiate level because I didn't participate with um, the procedure I'm uh, receiving my master's degree from San Jose State. I just didn't, uh, I didn't feel that it was something that I wanted to do because I hadn't done it at Jackson State and nobody on that campus, black or white, knew anything about <laughs> what had happened at Jackson State. Everybody knew about Kent State. So I guess I was a little um, rebellious in terms of um, reflecting back on Jackson State, and I said, well, I'll just get it in the mail, you know, and which I did. I just didn't feel uh, like marching there. I said, if I march anywhere, it will be at Jackson State. And that's what I'm going to do Saturday. Tomorrow's ceremony for the 1970 class also includes the awarding of honorary doctorates to the late Philip Gibbs and James Green. Noreen Ray, Philip Gibbs' sister, will be at the site named after her brother to receive the posthumous honor. She says she appreciates that the university and the community still remember Philip. I'm uh, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, it's been a number of years since I was there. Uh, one of my daughters married a, a person from Jackson, and she has been there and taken pictures, and you know would always send them to me and I. But I know I'll have some sadness. I know I will. But I am so appreciative that after 51 years, people still remember what happened there because the early years, and and this is the truth, the early years, it was all about Kent State. That happened 10 days, I think, earlier than uh, Jackson State. It was all, you you know, when you turn on TV or anything, Kent State, Kent State, Kent State. And to me, it felt like Jackson State was just kind of pushed aside a little bit. Uh, I even met one of the parents that had a daughter that was uh, killed at Kent State. And, you know, she was a very nice person, but seems as though now, People are, people realize more of what happened uh, now than they did back in 1970. That, uh, to me, is because times have changed, but they haven't changed to the point that a young black man feels real comfortable. I know that sounds weird, but. No, no. Continue, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when my 
children were growing up and, you know, went away to school, I tried to stress in them, get your education, get your education. And it's a blessing. I mean, a wonderful blessing that they did do well. And I'm so thankful for that. But I look at Demetrius sometimes. He's the youngest. He never he never knew him. He never seen him, you know, in person. Never, nothing. And I can't imagine a child, you know, born and lose the father. He, he doesn't know anything about him, only what we say. It took, that. that was one thing that I... I have real strong family ties, for one thing. You know, I have real strong family ties. And, and, and that incident took away their father. So they, I think about them, they never knew a life of growing up with their father. But they have both done so well. They have. Well, Miss Noreen Ray, thank you so much for speaking with us, sharing your memories about your brother, Philip Gibbs. We certainly appreciate it. And um, we're, we're happy to see that the university and the city will be honoring him this way and that you'll be there to receive it on his behalf. Yes, thank you, Ashley, so much. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.